Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today Wednesday podcast. It's the 10th of January, 2024. I'm Andy Eubank, and Eric Pfeiffer joins me with news today, including a preview of this year's Commodity Classic. The Hat Podcast is brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust, experience banking built on heart, grit, and agriculture. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. Stop by your local branch and talk about your ag operation today. Also on the way on the podcast, Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin says moisture is ending. It will be colder in the Hoosier State. And yesterday, the grain and oil seed markets rebounded. We have market analysis with Arlen Suderman coming up on the Hoosier Ag Today Wednesday podcast. At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we know that when agriculture thrives, we all do. It's the heart and grit of our agricultural communities that keep the crops coming in and the livestock cared for day and night. That's why we build financial solutions around the needs and schedules of our ag clients. If you're looking for a financial partner that has over 135 years experience in understanding and supporting agriculture, we want to hear from you. Let's harvest success together. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. From seed, grain, and feed companies to crop protection, farm implements, and technology, agribusiness is all around us here in Indiana. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. At ACI, our sole focus is on the needs of our members. We advocate, educate, inform, and we invite you to join us in our mission. Visit our website, inagribiz.org, to become a member. That's inagribiz.org. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. Time to make your plans for Commodity Classic and why college might cost you more now. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. This is Hoosier Ag Today. It is indoor meeting and convention season, and Andy Eubank is here with a preview of the big one. February 28th through March 2nd, major U.S. commodity groups want you to make a trip to Houston. Houston, Texas, the site of the 2024 Commodity Classic, presented by the National Corn, Soybean, Wheat, and Sorghum Producers. Harold Woolley of Minnesota and president of the National Corn Growers Association says there are many ways Classic can assist a farmer with the upcoming crop year. Well, I think it is the premier uh, event of the year, something I look forward to every year. Uh, The equipment manufacturers, the input suppliers, everybody is down there with their representatives. So anybody that you want to discuss a farm input product with or, and there's a number of uh, marketers down there. So a lot of opportunities to visit with the people that, that you need to talk to on your farm. The educational sessions are well attended and an annual favorite of farmers. There are education programs that are, you know, from marketing to uh, new uses to uh, it runs the gamut. It's it's a lot of fun to get down there. Um, entertainment's around. It's uh, Houston's going to be a good place to be at first of March. That's valuable all the way around. And and you know my family likes to come down too. This commodity classic will feature the largest number of booths and trade show space ever, with two levels of exhibits and two stages for presentations. Optional events include the Houston Rodeo and tours that include the NASA Space Center. Register by January 12 because rates go up the next day. 
Visit the housing and registration page for more details. We have the link at our website. Commodity Classic is America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused agricultural and educational experience, and it's produced by American Soybean Association, National Corn Growers Association, National Association of Wheat Growers, National Sorghum Producers, and the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. I'm Andy Eubank. Farmers, the Fort Wayne Farm Show celebrates 35 great years at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum, January 16th, 17th, and 18th. Plan now to attend this huge three-day event featuring the area's largest variety of farm equipment and services and the latest technology. Register to win the grand prize, a Toro MyRide Zero-Turn Lawnmower, courtesy of Plevna Implement. Admission is free. The Fort Wayne Farm Show at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum with 1,100 booths. January 16th through 18th, open Wednesday night till 8. Simplifying government forms always seems like a really good idea, right? But in this instance, it could end up backfiring, making college less affordable for rural Americans. Farm Bureau Director of Government Affairs Dustin Shearer says an attempt to simplify the free application for federal student aid, or FAFSA process, came in an omnibus bill passed at the end of 2023. But if it sticks, farm families may find it more difficult to qualify for financial aid. It included a smaller bill called the FAFSA Simplification Act. The goal of the bill was to shorten the actual FAFSA form. Previously, there was an exemption in place for families who owned farms or small businesses so that there was no asset test when those kids were applying for financial aid. But that changed with the FAFSA Simplification Act. They got rid of the exemption. Families with an adjusted gross income over $60,000 will be subject to the asset test. The change means it could cost farm families a lot more money to send their children to college. The example that's been given is for a farm that's valued at about a million dollars. Under the old rules, that family would have been expected to pay about $7,600 towards the education under the old rules. Under the new rules, that same family would be responsible for more than $41,000, which essentially would take you out of the Pell Grant and federal and state aid programs and force most people to take out student loans. Shearer says some members of Congress are taking steps to correct the error. There's been legislation introduced in both chambers to reinstate the exemption. In the House, Representatives Mann and Panetta have introduced a H.R. 1250, the Family Farm and Small Business Exemption Act. Identical legislation has been introduced in the Senate by Senators Ernst and Tester. So if you feel strongly about this issue, Shearer encourages you to reach out to your elected officials and ask them to co-sponsor those bills. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. Let's face it, operating a farm isn't going to get any less expensive this year. That's why an operating loan from Farm Credit Bid America is built to give you more cash back and more flexibility in how you are able to manage your funds. Learn more at fcma.com operating and get an operating loan that pays you back. Loan subject to credit approval. Additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Bid America is an equal opportunity lender. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. It's a Memorial Day weekend. Going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. We'll talk about home heat. <laughs> <laughs> to agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important. We're we want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you. <laughs> Listen now on all platforms.
I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. We have our major winter weather system moving off to the northeast. And as it does so, we should see precipitation come to an end. That being said, starting the day here with some lingering light snow and flurry activity. I think all in, all done. You go with the additional snow that formed last night into midday today. We're probably going to be seeing a coating to an inch. But like we said, moisture moving away quickly. I think this afternoon we're just cloudy. Maybe even seeing a few breaks in those clouds as we go towards sunset. We're colder for sure. Gusty winds that developed last night overnight will be subsiding as we move through this afternoon and evening. Got another little disturbance trying to pass by over the Great Lakes tomorrow. That's going to trigger light snow and flurries over all of Michigan. And I won't rule out a little bit of activity from US 24 northward, maybe another fresh coating to inch at best. But I just don't think it's a big moisture laden system. But clouds definitely farther downstate, we see better sunshine potential for your Thursday. Don't get used to it. We've got another winter storm heading towards us as we move through Friday. Will it be rain? Will it be snow? It really comes down to the track of low pressure at this point. I am definitely convinced we see rain out of the gate on Friday morning through Friday midday. What I'm less confident about is when and if we see a change over to snow. Models have been tracking all over the place here recently. I think over central and southern Indiana, there's a high likelihood we stay all rain. It's the northern third of the state that I'm really kind of up in the air on. I think we can see rain through sunset on Friday, but then as we move through the overnight, can there be snow? Definitely. We're cooling the atmosphere down anyway, and there is a very strong west and northwest component coming around the backside of the low once we get toward midnight Friday night going through Saturday. So I think that we're looking at significant potential for snow on the backside as this system ends, and that could linger into Saturday midday. But here's the thing. This track of the low has changed multiple times over the past two days. I'm still not convinced that what we're talking about right now this morning is the final track of the low. So at this point, I'm going to say potential for rain and snow. What I can tell you is there is lots of liquid here, almost as much, if not a little bit more than what we just got done with yesterday into this morning. So it is a very, very wet event. Behind this, we see temperatures plummet fast. Saturday temperatures fall off a cliff. We're very chilly for Sunday, staying there Monday, Tuesday. In that Monday, Tuesday time frame, I have to watch a little bit of light snow trying to pass by over the Ohio Valley. I don't think it makes it up to I-70, but we're going to watch that closely. Well below normal temperatures with Arctic high pressure sitting through midweek and probably through next Thursday into Friday. So definite cold there dominating. It's been a while since we felt the fury of winter. It seems like we're trying to now. So that's the way the forecast is stacking up. Plenty of things that can morph, change, and evolve here, particularly for the finish of the week. Do not buy into anybody's talk about heavy snow just yet. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. Wheat leads the way as corn and beans go higher too. This is Hoosier Ag Today's Tuesday Farm Market Review. I'm Andy Eubank, and I'll have settlements from today's higher trade all around. 
But first, market analysis. I grabbed that at the end of trade from Arlen Suderman of Stone X. Arlen, it is a turnaround Tuesday with some minor gains in corn and soybeans and double-digit gains in wheat may be bordering on impressive, but let's start with the least impressive, which is just a few cents higher in corn and soybeans. So a turnaround Tuesday, but really barely. Yeah, I think that's a good observation because we saw such a dive in prices yesterday, and uh, we primarily an inside trading today today on the bounce in the broader commodity complex. Uh, we did hold, for the most part, above the previous day's lows, uh, but really, it, all that says is selling interest has dried up, but there's not a lot of buying interest, maybe just a little bit of profit taken on short positions, not a lot to sustain a rally at this point in those corn and soybean markets. Weather remains conducive right now for soybean production in Brazil. Previously, dry areas are wet. Previously, wet areas are dry. And where it's been drying out here over the last week or two, rain is in the forecast again. So uh, not a lot to move the market to change direction, at least not at this point yet. And as we look at the double-digit wheat gains, would you go so far as to say you're impressed by that or not necessarily? Yeah, again, they're impressive gains, so to speak, but I'm not necessarily impressed by those gains as we're largely spent the day inside the previous day's trading range. The losses were big yesterday. The gains back were almost equal, but all that did is leave us back where we were on Friday, so to speak. Uh, I think one of the stabilizing factors is certainly the cold air coming in, although snow cover is going to protect most of our winter wheat crop. We did see a big sale of wheat to Egypt, primarily from Russia, and the prices that were offered and, and uh, used in the sale to conclude the deal uh, were largely what they were the last time Egypt bought. So I guess that means stability, where you maybe stabilize prices, and that gives a little bit more confidence that maybe the world cash grain market, at least the wheat market, has found a bottom. And so when you have a lot of speculative shorts in the market, they see that as an opportunity to step in and buy and cover those shorts. And any end users out there who have been waiting for the bottom, maybe they step in and buy a little bit more. But we haven't necessarily changed the direction of things yet. We still need to confirm that on the charts. When looking for a bottom, others have told me as we shift back to corn and soybeans that we may not be at the bottom. There may be plenty of room to keep going lower. Are you in that same camp? Well, there's room to go lower, yes. I think a lot of it rides on what USDA says on Friday with that big report dump. The biggest data dump of the year, meaning highest odds of a surprise in one direction or the other. If that surprise is to the bearish side, then we could certainly see more liquidation or more selling pressure. If it's to the upside, then maybe it kind of puts in a bottom couple of things that concern me going in is the slow pace of soybean shipments, meaning USDA could actually end up surprising the trade by lowering its soybean export target. That, I think, would be seen as a bearish surprise. Now, they'll also be looking at the production estimate for Brazil soybeans. A, a reduction is expected to somewhere around 154 to 156 million metric tons. If they would go larger than that to 151, that would be supportive of the market psychology. If it's less than that, that would obviously be bearish as well. 
That bearishness is something we've been seeing. It seems to be hanging on. Give us a little bit of history about how far back that may go as far as commodity bearishness. Yeah, the commodities have really been following managed money's expectations of inflation. So coming out of the pandemic, when the economy was starting to grow and they and the managed money was worried about inflation, they bought the commodities. They built up big ownership of the commodities, including the grain and oil seeds on expectations that demand would go higher, but it also helped hedge their portfolio, the value of their portfolio against the risk of inflation eroding that. That all changed when the Fed started raising interest rates and managed money started worrying about a recession, the recession that never came yet to this point. And that's been the primary focus for the last 21 months. And they started, they unwound their long positions and started building short positions then in about June of 2022. So we'd periodically get a rally when there is a story, a headline in a particular commodity. But then as soon as that headline died, they reverted back to shorting the commodity. And so that's been the tone since then. The question is in 2024, with ideas now that the Fed has pivoted, will they unwind those short positions? I'm not bullish at commodities, but it would certainly make it easier for the commodities to rally when a story does emerge, if that were to be the case. So that's the change that I'm watching for in 2024, maybe by the second or third quarter. Arlen Suderman with StoneX, and we do see some Tuesday gains in the protein sector. Cattle and hogs both higher. Any relation with that move to winter storms moving across parts of the country? Very much related to the weather and the fact that the cash cattle market had been trading at a uh, at a premium to where the board was on the cattle market as well. We saw some of last week's slaughter numbers revised down on cattle revising them back up, uh, um, that tightens up the supply that's available for meat. We're also seeing poor, poor performance. Feedlot operators telling me that they're definitely losing weight with this weather that we're seeing right now. More to come as well. We're going to see packer slaughter schedules that are curtailed. Some of that's already happened. We're going to see more of that happen. A series of storms and very cold temperatures coming in across the plains in Midwest, taking away some of the surplus meat production that we had in the system. Arlen Suderman at StoneX and StoneX.com. It's the Tuesday Farm Market Review on Hat. Numbers now. March corn, 459 and a quarter a gain of four and a quarter. May goes up four cents, 471 and a half. July 482, also four cents higher. Three cents up on the March beans, 1248 and three quarters. May up four, 1258 and three quarters. July 1266 and a half, a gain of almost a nickel. March wheat led the way higher, 610 even, up 13 and three quarters. The meat's up two, February live cattle 170 and 77 cents up 82 cents February lean hogs 7187 up a dollar 27 I'm Andy Eubank with the Tuesday Farm Market Review. This is Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's most listened to farm radio network.